It's going to be amazing. Oh, yeah, Deborah, yeah. My wife. Rocket scientist, you just need to know one. He's our rocket scientist, you're right. Amen. And, uh, <clears throat> so I accidentally <coughs> changed my GPS to a male voice. All it says now is, <laughs> it's around here somewhere, just keep driving. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> wife asked her husband, said, or the husband asked the wife, said, where in the Bible does it say men are supposed to wash dishes? She said, 2 Kings 21, 13. For I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. Right. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Okay, one more, one more. You ready? It's okay. We're, God gave us, I believe he's got a great sense of humor too. So this, this, friend, this friend was going to open a new branch of business, entrepreneur. So her friend said, I'm going to send a, some, a wreath to put on the door for the grand opening. So they sent the wreath and when he showed up to the friend's business, he was appalled to find inscribed on the wreath, rest in peace. So he calls up the florist and, and complaining, and, and the florist said, well, let's look at it this way. Somewhere on a man's grave, it says, good luck in your new location. <laughs> it's all about perspective, isn't it? Absolutely. Oh, Jesus, help us center up. I'm having so much fun being saved and seeing people's lives changed. Um, even in my own house, they're supposed to be doing the freedom class again. And uh, so we're just believing God. You know, you, you don't... Sometimes we, we try to put a face on what the answer looks like. And, and we really sell ourselves short when we think God's going to do it one way. When he shows up to do it his way. And it's really epic. So it's important to enter into that place of rest where you trust the Lord. By the way, we had Jennifer Marshall back with us Wednesday night and after his mishap. And we're glad they're here. And uh, what a gift. And... and uh, this young lady here, I, good to see you again as well. Amen. Glad you're here. This is Marshall's mom. Yeah, absolutely. I want you to turn with me, first of all, to Romans 13. Let's begin in, in, in I mean, I'm sorry, Romans 11, verse 13. I'll get there. I think it's, let me, let me make, let me get centered up now. No, it's 13, verse 11. <laughs> Hang with me. We're going on a, a trip, a journey, right? This is where we're going to start. I'm going to read it from the Passion. 
And I want you to get a hold of this because I believe I'm going to share some of the things I shared Wednesday night because Peter even talks about it. He said, I want to put you in remembrance because I don't want you to forget some things. And I believe it's so important that we begin to understand the Father's heart toward us. And this, this we call beloved identity, this, this understanding of, of how he feels about me is so pivotal. Because religion will give you the message of trying harder. I know from experience, and it's frustrating. It leaves you really, really struggling because you never really feel like you measure up. You never feel like you're good enough. And the enemy will monopolize on that feeling because he's a flesh devil. Paul says, he said, we must live honorably. That word honorably means we walk with the designer, the master designer. Honor, who knew that honorably means to walk with the master designer? He says, surrounded by the light of this new day, not in the darkness of drunkenness, that includes intoxication with any substance. He said, not in debauchery, which is festive possessions, false deities to celebrate false deities, not in promiscuity and sensuality, which is outrageous behavior or loose conduct, not being argumentative or jealous of others. Instead, fully immerse yourselves into the Lord Jesus. The King James says, put on the Lord Jesus. Now, how do you do that? You can't even really rightly read the word of God until you put him on. You got to put the word on before you read the word and put the word in. Let me say it again. You put the word on so you can put the word in. Because in the beginning was the Word, the Logos. And he was with God and was God. He says, he says, put fully immerse yourselves into the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, and don't waste even a moment's thought on your former identity. That is important. You know, so many of us look back and we say, boy, I, I wish we were still in the good old days. Well, I just want to say, that's okay for you. I'm not going back there. What we call the good old days. Let me tell you about one of my experiences. About 1960, I was five years old and I would jump off the back of the couch. That's when Superman came out in black and white. And uh, I was trying to imitate. I put a towel around my neck, jump off the back of the couch, try to climb the tallest tree and jump out even got to where I could climb on the house and jump off the roof well I got a double hernia five years old my mom said she remembers seeing me terrified being wheeled down on a gurney to surgery I, that, that's, if that's the good old days I want nothing to do with it at 19 I had my tonsils out I would miss a week work at a time because they would become inflamed. And so finally, we, we had them out. I was 19 years old. 
And they were so embedded, the doctor said they were so embedded that he ruptured a blood vessel. That was in Selma. We lived in Clanton. And a couple of times they would, it would break loose and start bleeding. And it was terrifying. The last time it happened, mom and dad just threw me in the old Buick station wagon. I remember. It was burgundy. I was laying in the back seat with a dishpan in the floorboard because I was bleeding. And my dad was racing down the road to Selma to get me to the hospital. And so they kept me because they didn't want that thing to break loose again because the doctor said, I got a plan, said if it happens again, I'm going to cauterize it. Well, it did happen, and they cauterized it. That's the good old days. I want nothing to do with them. Uh, you understand <coughs> when he says, don't for a moment think of your former identity to awaken its selfish desires. Now look over with me to Galatians 5. Galatians 5 starts like this. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty whereby Christ has made you free. He's called us to liberty, to freedom. Not to come under the bondage of manipulation or religious ideology. Not to come under the idea that you're just never going to be good enough. That somehow there are others who are... Paul said, I dare not compare myself with those who compare themselves with themselves for they're not wise. Paul says in the book of Romans, you are, an, it's, we're going to read it in Galatians 5. You are an original. He said, don't try to go back to your former identity. Because let's read. He said, let us, in verse 1 of chapter 5 of Galatians, at last we have freedom for Christ has set us free. We must always cherish this truth. This truth is to stand strong and firmly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Then he says, verse 6, When we're joined to the anointed when circumcision and religious obligations can benefit you nothing. Now, he was, Paul was writing this letter because there were people who were still living under the Mosaic law, trying to keep the law, and they wanted them to believe the same thing so that they could boast about them being their disciples. So Paul says, it can benefit you nothing. All that matters now is living in the faith that works and expresses itself through love. There's a very important word. Paul said over in, in Romans, he, he talks about Love, He said, owe no man anything but to love one another because all the commandments, don't, don't steal, don't lie, don't commit murder, all these others are fulfilled in the one law, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, you can't really rightly love your neighbor unless you love yourself. And most of the time, people that don't like you, it's a, it's a measure of their dislike for themselves being expressed let me preach that again most of the time when you run in people that, that don't really like you it's because of their own disgust with themselves it comes from a measure of not understanding who they are 
That's why Paul said, let everybody owe no one but to love one another. How can you love one another rightly? You got to know how much you're loved. You got to know that you are beloved, that he sees you and he's delighted in you. That he's not disgusted with you or disappointed with you. Religion always make me feel like God was mostly disappointed with me. And I could never measure up to the standard that was given to me by man's rules. Now, the Holy Spirit spoke to me something as I was studying in this. And, and I want to share it with you. Remember over in the book of... If, uh, we're going to get there in a moment. But remember this. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and 3. Where Adam and Eve had listened to the lie. Believed the lie of the devil. God knows when you eat this fruit, you're not going to die. He knows that you're going to be like him. Well, they already were. What a lie. And the devil will come with you with the same lie. There's something you have to do to measure up to God's standard. No, the only thing we have to do is believe and trust in the sacrifice that he made and understand that we are an original. Now, the Lord showed me, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, what do you think those fig leaves represent? I said, man's attempt to cover himself up. He said, isn't that like religion? The religious fig leaves that people try to be acceptable to God. Because when God showed up for the walk anyway, you do know he showed up for the walk. Even though, how many know when he asked where Adam was, he didn't know where he was? He's God. He knew exactly where Adam was. When he said, Adam, where are you? He's trying to get him to see with the perspective of where he is. And Adam said, we were naked and we hid. And God said, here, here it is. Here's how important it is to hear the right voice. Because God said, who told you you were naked? They listened to the wrong voice. Isn't it amazing how there's a lot of voice that jockey for our attention? To try to get us away from uh, being an original. And sometimes we conform and we compare and we try to fall into the mold. And fit into the mold. Wayne T's looking good. Try to fit into the mold. Hang with me. He said, all that matters now is living in the faith that works and expresses itself through love. He says in verse 8, the one who enfolded you into his grace is not behind this false teaching that you've embraced. Don't, even, don't you even know that when you allow even a little lie into your heart, it's like leaven in the dough. It permeates your entire belief system. Lord, open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your word. Verse 13, beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an excuse to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Constantly love each other. There it is again. And be committed to serve one another. For all the law can be summarized in one grand statement. Demonstrate love to your neighbor even as you care and love yourself. Wow. It's amazing. Now let's look at verse 16. Hang with me, we're going somewhere. This is so transformative. So affected my life. Brought me to a, such a place of ease and rest. 
in the Lord's provision, that God's work is enough, that Jesus' blood is enough. And because of the transformation, I don't have to try harder because the Holy Spirit's working in me that that's the Father's good pleasure. And I don't have to struggle to not do anything that's, that's contrary to His will because uh, there's, a, there's this discernment that He gives me. I'm in a new life. I'm in a new world. I'm not committed to this world system. Because this, how many realize this world order? They talk about a new world order. It's going to be so short-lived. Because this world system is passing away. It's coming to an end. Because there's only one kingdom that's eternal. Now, hang with me. Let me emphasize this. As you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you'll abandon the cravings of your self-life. That word self-life represents the natural realm. The cravings. When your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder Him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. The new creation life of the Spirit. But when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you will no longer be living under the law, but soaring above it. The behavior of the self-life is obvious. I, I need to read this. Sexual immorality. It's getting worse in the world, darker. But we're not focused on the darkness. We are the light. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. He said, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, Angry quarrels and only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you, Paul says, that those things, those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit, now hang with me, it's about to get good. The fruit, that's singular. It can all be, also be translated harvest. All of the other uh, mentioned below that represents the, the, the results of the foundation of love. Love is the foundation for all the fruit, the, all the manifestations, expressions, the beautiful expressions of all these things. He says, the fruit, that, that means the harvest, Produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Now, I'm going to put some action with these words. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Patience that endures. Kindness in action of life full of virtue. Faith that prevails. Gentleness of heart. And strength of spirit. That word strength of spirit literally means it's actually a self-control or the lordship of by implication spirit strength. Never set the law above these qualities for they're meant to be limitless. The Jewish law and the law can never 
hinder these things from working. He says, keep in mind that those who belong to Christ have crucified, already experienced crucifixion for everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with the Messiah. If the Spirit is the source of our life, we must allow the Spirit to direct every aspect of our lives. So may we never be arrogant or look down on another for each of us is an original. There it is. We must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. Now, I want to I take you to uh, Luke 24. Jesus had just risen from the dead. He had just appeared to the two men on the road to Emmaus, remember? And when their eyes were open as he sat at meet with them, they ran back to tell the other disciples who were in, hidden in an upper room that they'd seen the Lord. And while they're discussing these things, all of a sudden Jesus shows up. And once again... He says, he shows up while they're still, he suddenly appeared right in front of their eyes. Now I want you to think about this. Peter's there. Peter, the one that had denied Jesus three times, is in that room. Jesus suddenly appears and they're terrified. The disciples were convinced they were seeing a ghost. Remember Mark chapter 5? When Jesus comes walking on the water and they think it's a ghost. And Jesus, the first thing he says is peace. He, he said, it's me, don't be afraid. So he says, the disciples were convinced they're seeing a ghost. Standing there among them, Jesus said, be at peace. I'm the living God, don't be afraid. Why are you so frightened? Don't let doubt enter your hearts. See my pierced hands and feet? Wait. See for yourselves, it's me standing here alive. Touch me and know that my wounds are real. A spirit does not have a body of flesh and bone as you see that I have. Whoa. Then he showed them his pierced hands and feet and let them touch his wounds. The disciples were ecstatic yet dumbfounded, unable to fully comprehend it. Now let me tell you, God will not leave you in the dark. He'll not leave you in a place where you don't have clarity. He'll bring you... To the, to the truth so that you can celebrate this, this spirit life that he's given us through Christ his son. Now he says, he says, knowing they're still wondering if he's real, he said, let me show you. Give me something to eat. And they gave him fish and honeycomb. And he eats right there. In they watched him eat. And he said, don't you remember the words I spoke to you while I was still with you? I told you that everything would be fulfilled that was including all the prophecies, the law of Moses through the Psalms and the writings of the prophets. And so he unlocked supernaturally. The translation in the Aramaic is he supernaturally unlocked their understanding. That's my prayer. Lord, unlock our understanding. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, so that we begin to see. Now, I'm going somewhere, so follow with me just for a moment. He said, he, he unlocks their understanding. And he said, I will send, here's, the, here's what, everything that's transpired is a witness to you. I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise. Now, that, the Aramaic reads the kingdom or the rule, the Father's promise would be the coming of the Holy Spirit to live in them and empower them. 
to you. Stay here in the city until you're clothed with the power in heaven. The King James says, tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with fire from on high. Now turn to John 21. Beginning at verse 2, they're down by the Sea of Galilee. There's seven of them. Now remember, Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem. What are they doing down here? It happened one day with Peter, Thomas, the twin, Nathaniel, Jacob, John, and two other disciples were all together. Peter told them, I'm going fishing. Wait, what? Jesus said, wait till you be endued with power from on high. He said, I'm going fishing. I want to tell you when you have failed sometimes, the enemy will pounce on you and the guilt and condemnation will keep you from being able to be positioned where the power of the Lord can come and revolutionize your life. Think about the discouragement Peter must have felt. After three and a half years being with Jesus, seeing him judged, in a kangaroo court and, and beaten to the point of death and crucified, buried in a tomb. This adventure's over. Uh, that's all they could see because why? They're, what he told them had not taken root in their hearts. So they're very discouraged. Peter especially. He feels so much like a betrayer. So he says, I'm going fishing. I'm going to back to what I knew before all this happened. I'm going to back to what I know. And they said, we're going with you. So they fish all night. Guess what? They don't catch a thing. Professional fishermen don't catch a thing. I remember my dad could fish for hours and not get a bite. When I was growing up, I would be in the boat with him. I would just look for anything to occupy my attention because I wouldn't get in the bite either. So I'd just lay everything down. And I, I'm thinking, what can I do? I, I, I had respect for my dad. And sometimes I would say, how much longer are we going to hang out here? He said, let's just hang on. He was a patient man. And I remember going across the lake one time in, in a boat he had that I held on to both sides because it was white capping. It was so stormy. And we were coming from the other side and, and he wasn't flinching. He was back there with that thing wide open and that thing was, I mean, it was slapping me. I was getting wet up there, but I was praying, Lord Jesus, let us make it to the, to the launch. So Peter... He's really discouraged. He said, I'm going fishing. We're going too. They fished all night. Then at dawn, when the sun comes up, they see somebody standing on the shore. And he says, hey, do you guys catch any fish? The King James says, children, have you any meat? And they said, no. And he said, throw your net over the starboard side and you'll catch some. And they said, well, <clears throat> they caught so many fish they couldn't even pull the net in. 
Then the disciple that Jesus loved. Now think about this. It says, the disciple that Jesus loved. Now what book is this in? John. Who is he talking about? John wrote this. He's talking about himself. He's, this is not the first time he did that. Come on, this is revolutionary. So the disciple that Jesus loved told Peter, it's the Lord. And I know the King James says because Peter was naked, it, it really is not, he wrapped his outer tunic around him because he's athletic. The Aramaic says because he's athletic, he jumps in and he's the first one to Jesus. Now my question is, why is Adam hiding after a failure and Peter is swimming toward Jesus after a failure. Maybe Peter knew something about the nature of Jesus that Adam had not learned. Maybe Peter knew something deep in his heart about this Redeemer that he wasn't going to kick him off the shore, kick him to the curb because he messed up. But he's going to learn something about the nature of God through his Savior. That, that Christ, the Redeemer, is there. And he's swimming to shore. And guess what he finds? There's a fire. And there's fish and bread. Now the last fire Peter was warring himself by is the fire that he denied he knew Jesus. This is another fire. But this is not going to be one of disappointment. Come on, we need to find the right flame. Earlier, I felt the Lord, the Holy Spirit, begin to speak. He said, I want you to tell them the fire of the Holy Spirit is about to burn in your heart in a fresh new way. And you're going to discover your beloved identity. And you're going to find out you are an original. And the Lord's going to burn you into permanence because fire will do one of two things. It'll burn up everything that's chaff, everything that's not supposed to be there. It'll burn it up. But guess what? It'll burn into permanence what's supposed to remain. And it purifies us, brings us into that place where he makes us his own and we realize that we are the beloved of the father and we don't have to measure up to the standard of God to get God to love me more because his love is perfect and if his love diminished one degree it would not be perfect but he loves us just where we are and he shows that through Peter he shows up Peter gets to shore and they have breakfast after Jesus said bring some of that fish they caught 153. That represents the nations, the multicultured beauty of God. And one church father, Jerome, says there's 153 species of fish in the Sea of Galilee. So hang with me. Jesus is sitting there with Peter. And Peter, he's not able to bear the fruit we read in Galatians 5. He's really returned to the self-life. He's returning to what he knew best because he thought God's timing must be off. That God really had just forsaken him and left him. Come on, you, you know what I'm talking about. Where are you? I want to tell you that you never have to ask him where he is because he's been there the whole time. Yes, 
we get ourselves in that state of mind and state of thinking to think that because of the circumstances of life that God has left the building. But let me tell you something. Your circumstances, your situation, even people's opinions of you and the judgment they bring to you do not define who you are. The things that happen to you that are negative, those things that happen to you in your life that, that seem like we live in this broken world and we, we experience all the brokenness, that does not define who you are. He does. Peter's about to make a great discovery because Jesus, after breakfast, says to Peter, Simon, now he, called, he hadn't called him Simon since he gave him a new name. <laughs> Son of Jonah. You know who Jonah is, right? He's the one who went the other direction when God told him to go preach at Nineveh. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he, he said, I'm not going. He said, they'll repent. And I, don't want, I want them to catch your judgment. So... Jesus says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you you burn with passion for me? You love me. That's what it means. Peter said, yes, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. He asked him the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you burn with love for me? Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I have great affection for you. Then take care of my sheep. Third time, he repeated his question. Peter, son of John, do you have great affection for me? Peter was saddened by being asked the third time and said, my Lord, you know everything. Isn't it amazing how we think we're going to slide by sometimes? No, he knows He's even got the number of hair that's on my head counted. They're numbered. No, he didn't look at my head and said, you got 340? (laughs) I'm being liberal, okay? (laughs) He looks at my head and knows which number is, let's just be conservative. He knows which hair is number 15. That's how much he's interested in you. So he says, Peter, you know everything. Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Now watch. I want you to think about this. Peter, we're right back where we started. I know you missed it. I know you got off track and you had the wrong perspective and you begin to focus on the, the negative because you, you were so discouraged and so uh, offended by the fact that I had to be buried in the borrowed tomb. Peter, I know what you're feeling. And the last thing Jesus says to Peter is the first thing he said. When he met him down by the seashore, he said, follow me. He said, Peter, we're right back where we started. I don't want you to feel like a failure because you are going to catch men 
Jesus knew. You, you understand, you think Jesus was asking a question he didn't know the answer to? He's saying it for Peter's benefit because Peter had denied him three times. He's bringing wholeness to him and healing, as some scholars say. But here's what Jesus says to him in the finality of it. He says, we're back right back where we started, Peter. I want you to follow me. Wow. Stand with me. On the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I always had this vision of these little flames sitting on the top of their heads. But I did a study, Brother John, and you probably already knew this, but it said the fire that sat on them engulfed them. It sat engulfed. 120 of them. Peter comes out of the upper room and all the people begin to gravitate toward the upper room where 120 people came out different than the way they went in because now they're infused with the Holy Spirit life. And spirit wind. Yeah. So John chapter 3, Jesus says the wind blows where it lists and we don't know where it came from or where it's going. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The spirit wind moves wherever he wills. And we see the effect of it. You know the wind's blowing how? By the leaves. The leaves of the tree of the healing of the nations. You with me? Jesus came in three offices we see prophet, priest, and king he came first of all as the prophet to open the door of grace to each and every one of us and to Peter you might be feeling like Peter, he came to open that door he came as the priest to bring wholeness and healing not only physically but emotionally in every area he came as king <laughs> because we're he's the king of kings we are a royal priesthood if he's the king of kings who's the kings he's talking about you shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ come on if you're here I, I feel the Holy Spirit is really moving someone into the place where they never felt like they could measure up. And you've been so broken over the frustration of not being able to, to fit that, that mold that you imagined. And it's left you empty and it's left you frustrated. I wanna tell you there's wholeness and healing. There's a place of rest where we totally trust Him. And our lives, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. He is here right now to love on you in a big way. He's here to let you know that your best days are ahead. So I'm going to pray. 
And then if you want special prayer, I'm going to give you that opportunity. And I'm going to believe God with you. That the Lord wants you to know maybe you feel like you're right back where you started. He's not going to kick you to the curb. He's going to reaffirm His calling and His love for you. We're going to have it. It's going to be amazing. There's so much. Galatians 5. He's called us to freedom. He's called us to freedom. If you're here and you don't feel free, I want to really encourage you to come. I'm going to pray this prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. You said you would confirm your word with signs. Lord, we've delivered the message that you've given to us. Now we pray that you'll open up our understanding and and lock our understanding that we see Jesus. We behold you so that we become like you. Lord, but first we got to know we belong. Lord, thank you so much that we're yours. Whether we live or die, we belong to you. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given us this opportunity. Now we pray for a a wholeness and a healing to every person that may be struggling with themselves right now and their beloved identity. Lord, I pray that you'll reaffirm to them that they are an original and that you love them the same. And they might have gotten off track, but Lord, we're right back where you started with them. And God, you want them to know that your love is deep and in your nature you will strengthen them and prop them up to bear much fruit. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Dwayne is playing while he's playing. I want you to, if you feel drawn to come, I want you to come. It's okay. We're family. We're family.